We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Upcoming on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, Alan Soslowski joins me as we try to identify breakout players and how to acquire them. All next on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. He's Alan Sislowski. He is the most versatile man at rotowire.com. Ready to jump in at a moment's notice to do a podcast with us. I know we're going to have Nelson Souza today. He had some internet issues. We're going to have him next week. Don't worry. Nelson's still great. We're going to get him. But Alan's great too. Uh, and Alan's going to help us now. Alan, thank you for jumping in on Short Notice. How you doing? You know, it's like in a, when you work in a where when you're a soldier on a submarine, you have the cook knows how to fire the missiles. The guy who uh, can launch the nukes could also flip the eggs. I mean, when you're on a sub like that, we call Rotowire. You have to be able to do everything. Yeah, that's true. It is true, uh, and you're good at that too. Uh, so let's talk about what's going on. We're going to talk breakouts, but first, let's hit the news of the day. Uh, there's a lot of news of the day, uh, as always at this time of year. It's awesome. Um, we're going to start off, uh, Deshaun Watson. We're still waiting for the hammer to come down. We have an idea it could happen by the end of the week. The Cleveland Browns are are planning on going, forging ahead as if he's still going to play this year. He's going to start Friday's preseason game in Jacksonville. So a road start for Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, it's a pretty decent landing point. Probably won't be packed. You know, won't be a ton of partisans there. Um, as far as places go for him to start, this is probably good for them. But I thought it was interesting that he's going to, they're just going to go ahead and play as assuming as if he's going to play this year. Well, it looks much more like he's going to be suspended for double digit games or maybe even the whole season. It's not going to be six, right? I mean, at very minimum, I think we could assume eight, but that's being optimistic. There's been a lot of criticism that you give this guy the biggest contract in the history of the NFL, mostly guaranteed under the circumstances in which, you know, there's a lot of controversy. So they want to see if if it's even going to be worth it. If he comes out there and lights it up, I mean, you know, has, you know, two drives, two touchdowns right away. Okay. All right. This was worth it. But what happens if he comes up and, and just stinks it up and three and out overthrown passes, that's going to be a little bit more momentum to, Hey, was this worth it? Now I know it's preseason. I know it's only one game, but what do we do in, in football media? We love to, you know, 
take narratives and run with them there. So there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this game. And I think it's important for the Cleveland Browns that Deshaun Watson not only look good, but look very sharp so they could feel good about this major risk that they took. Yep. I think so too. Uh, So um, it's interesting. You know, it, it does change things quite a bit for their pass catchers. Uh, you know, you get, you know, get David Njoku, obviously Amari Cooper, their, their fantasy balance is hanging in there. I mean, cause I think it's just such a huge step down to Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I know he, he can be a caretaker, but you don't want him as a full season starter. We saw that movie before the Colts. It doesn't end well. Yeah. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, if I think what they're hoping is that he can Teddy Bridgewater them to play off to stay in the playoff race should Deshaun Watson come back after 10 games. I mean, if, if they can go four and six, something like that. I mean, going seven and three is probably not in the cards for them unless, you know, they can really just dominate with the running game. I mean, uh, I just finished doing a video with Jim Coventry and we were ranking the top offensive lines and he has Cleveland as his number two ranked offensive lines. Wow. An elite offensive line can erase a lot of mistakes. And especially when you have someone like Nick Chubb and, Kareem Hunt and everyone likes Dearness Johnson. That's three running backs that would probably, you know, start on most teams or at least be a, a you know a strong committee. So if they can run the ball and maybe utilize those pass catchers that you just talked about, they just want to like stay afloat until Deshaun Watson gets there. So yeah, Jacoby Brissett's not great, but I think with all those other assets uh, and all those other strengths, they probably could stay in in the mix. You know, I, I sometimes feel Nick Chubb on the Browns is like uh, Lucy with the football with Charlie Brown. I mean, it's just so frustrating. He's such a good player, and we all see it, and everybody sees it. Even the Browns see it, but it just they don't give him the, the volume that we want. I mean, he still is a every-week starter uh, that you're happy to have. I mean, when you do your value meter, and for those who, who don't know about Jeff's value meter new to the podcast – Every week, he ranks every player for the season. So instead of asking start sick questions, you could just go to his value meter, which is on rotowire.com, and you could see who to start. When you do your value meter every week, Nick Chubb is never going to fall out of your top 15 running backs. I don't care what the matchup is, what injuries there are. If Nick Chubb is starting, he's a top 15 running back. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I'd say if he's like dealing with a nagging groin injury like he was last year, then I might I might be a little bit more circumspect. But that's, that's about the scenario that it takes is a questionable heading into the week. Not sure if he's going to play sort of thing, or if he's going to be limited uh, leg injury, you know, that that's the thing that holds him back. Other than that. Yeah, I agree. So, so there's value in that. So you're not mm-hmm. having to fight anybody to take Nick Chubb. In fact, he's a player that he's, he's like a boring pick, right? I mean, we hear that a lot. Like Travis Etienne is an exciting pick, but right. if we were to make a bet right now, who's going to have more fantasy points this year, a smart better would take Nick Chubb. He's done it over and over and over again. He's got the goal line equity and, you know, Travis Etienne, we haven't seen doing on an NFL field. So when you talk about someone like Nick Chubb, it's, you know, it's the Lucy in the football. That's a great analogy because Nick Chubb has the talent to be a top six fantasy football pick, but you don't have to pay. I mean, I think uh, when you talked to Chris List the other day, didn't he get him in the third round? I mean, that's how far he falls. Not just third round, but end of the third round. So that's Um, the fourth round almost. Right. It was pick 36. It was on the, it was on the turn. Now, I think that's an anomaly. And if you look at ADP, uh, you'll see that that doesn't frequently happen. In fact, uh, he, he's 24 in average draft position, a range of 11 to 40. When I did the beach Jeff Erickson last week, I was picking second and 23rd and he was gone by the 23rd pick. So 
you can see that there is a lot of times when he doesn't quite make it to you. I, I, I would have been happy to take him because especially because I started off with Justin Jefferson as my one point two. You know, I don't you know me. I'm not a McCaffrey guy. Uh, so I was actually eyeing Chubb as a as a target. Didn't happen, but that's fine. Uh, that means I got another receiver instead. I got Mike Evans instead. Nick and I Chubb's, know you like Mike Evans. Yeah, of course. I love Mike Evans. I mean, there's been a little bit of um, he's been dropping a little bit because of, you know, he had a little bit of an injury and there's been a little, you know, now I that think was the, the day before that injury, though, too, by the way, mm, there you so go. That I mean, was always fun to see that. And you're like, Mike Evans left with an injury. Oh, God, what is OK? He, I know. It seems like he's day to day. It seems like he's OK. All right. Yeah, and I mean that dropped him to the third round. I looked at some of the NFFC boards. I mean, that's what I do at night. I when I'm going to sleep, the last thing I do is check with Tom and Greg Post, and I love to see the drafts that popped off because you know I have my NFFC draft coming up in uh, a couple weeks, and I want to see where guys are going. And Mike Evans went from being like pick 15 to pick 18 to pick 20. Now he's like you know 27. I think he dropped right. the other day. So I'm still taking him. I mean, you know, with Tom Brady, and I don't want to get. I want to shift back to the Cleveland Browns because we were on a good a good topic right there uh but it's 12 touchdowns and 13 touchdowns in back-to-back years I mean he is he's got the upside for 15 or more especially with no Gronk so I, I like seeing that type of uh, drop but I was going to say with Nick Chubb what he really represents is the last of the sure thing running backs after Nick Chubb at RB 14 on the NFFC. I just pulled the last four or five days. It gets into these upside guys or guys that have right. some serious questions and you could see totally cratering. Nick Chubb is too big to fail. His floor is high. Doesn't have that super high upside, but that's baked into the late second round. Javier G asked Chubb over Swift, Kamara or Barkley. Answer is no on Swift and Barkley. Kamara, I still have a little bit behind, but that's only because that's accounting for Kamara perhaps having still the, the specter of a, a, a suspension hanging over him. Somehow we've landed on six as the likely number, but that we're, we're all spitballing on that too, by the way. that's There's no like edict saying we can't wait to hand him a six-game suspension. That's just the number of people have kind of arrived at, but it could be a whole year. It could be nothing. could be not, something next year. We don't know. So... That's the only reason why I'm a little more circumspect about that. But actually, you know, Barkley versus Chubb is, you know, it's, that's a upside versus certainty call there. I mean, Barkley has 1.1 upside. Chubb probably doesn't. But yeah. Barkley also has the floor is lava floor. I mean, and th that, that's the problem. You don't have to make that choice because Barkley in pro drafts is now going in the 10th pick, right? I mean, yeah, he's going, yeah. so you don't have to make 14. So usually he's long gone. If you're sitting where I was, yeah, you're not going to get Barkley. But if you do have that choice, if you do, I mean, it's all about your style of drafting. My style of drafting is I'm going to go Chubb over Barkley probably still, mm -hmm. um, but it's close. Yeah, uh, it's bark like to answer the question. It's yes, yes, and yes for me. Alvin Kamara. What I'm doing is I I'm not even baking in the suspension for this year anymore. Where I'm even calling it. Where if I thought it was like almost certain, I thought I was like seventy five percent. I'm down to like there's like a one in ten chance that it could happen, like a ten percent. And that's you know everyone's going to have to make their own guess. The worst case scenario is that it happens right when the playoffs hit, right for the fantasy playoffs. Like it happens mm -hmm. later in the season. Then it's like oh my god. But I just think with Jameis Winston though, you have to change your expectation for Alvin Kamara. He's no longer that top five overall pick that's going to get 80 catches. I mean, with J with Jameis Winston, who's never really, I don't remember him really dumping off to the running back, and now Sean Payton. It's very rare that you had a, a the, the, an all-time head coach and an all-time dump-off QB in Drew Brees leave in the same era. 
I think it's more realistic to say like 50 catches for Alvin Kamara. Um, you know, it's it's just a different offense. So a second round pick, I'm good with. I just don't think he's he's worth a top five, and no one's taking him there. I'm just saying is like I'm ready to put him back into the second round. Counter argument, Z, you know, Taysom Hill's not going to be the quarterback anymore. Right. Some of that was was kind of what is eating away at Kamara's value. That's not going to happen anymore. He is a tight end now, and, and an injured one at that. Um, so I'm not really worried about that. His, yeah, his, 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 the running back, Mark Ingram, doesn't scare me. I mean, he he's yes, he was once a saint and once was good. He's also once was many things. Uh, I'm not really that worried about that. Uh, one more follow up on Kamara. You know, Julie asked that you took Zeke over Kamara. Now we got to re- uh, emphasize this was in July. This was three weeks ago, four weeks ago, maybe. Um, that was before Kamara's latest hearing got was pushed back 60 days. Uh, I think that's probably why Kamara fell and why you passed over. You would take him over Zeke. Rick. I, I, I know you're Mr. Zeke. But you'd still take Kamara over Zeke, right? Yes, I'm ready to put uh, I'm ready to put Alvin Kamara into the second round. And again, my stance on Zeke is not that I think Zeke is going to be a top three running back. It's that there's no way he can miss his ADP at pick 33. It's it's literally you're drafting it at the that's my stance. You're just drafting him at his absolute floor. It's only upside. That's my stance on Zeke. Yeah, and his by the way in the NFFC, his ADP is lower than that. It's 41 now. There you go. This is from August 1st on, by the way, just so you know. Uh, so, you know, it's not just, you know, Camaro that's over him now. It's, you know, James Conner, Cam Akers, Brees Hall is over him. We'll talk Brees Hall momentarily. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, let's talk Brees Hall now because this was – I'm, I'm going to do another set of rankings tonight. I do it every Wednesday night. goes live on Rotowire, the PPR rankings. We just did the uh, – although it's kind of interesting, we also did the composite ratings just – uh, yesterday that went up. So I won't have too many changes to make, but I was low man on Brees Hall. I still am a little bit um, because I think that there's two things that bother me. Uh, one is Michael Carter exists. He lit, he's a carbon based form of life. That's still living, breathing on the team, on the jets. He, and he's he, good. He's good. They drafted him last year. Uh, and the second is they just lost Mackay Becton. Uh, and I think that's a big mm-hmm. loss. Their offensive line wasn't great. They tried to address it the off season. They brought in the guard from uh, the Niners they, uh, Becton was going to be right tackle. Fant uh, was going to be left tackle. Now they're out of alignment. Uh, they, their right tackle is gone for the season. Uh, and I think that's a big loss for the Jets. Here was my argument. So just to get everyone up to speed, Jeff had Brees Hall ranked around 70 overall. So what does that put him in like the late sixth round, Jeff? Something like that for you? Uh, yeah, something man. like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I, but in, just as a point of reference, though, yes, I had Brees Hall, I had at 70 overall which right i so, i think that was too low and his I'll adp is 40 his adp you know, is like 45 just to yeah. kind of give context and i try to not look at adp when i'm doing my rankings i i mean i do it just if, if for no other reason just to make sure i'm not forgetting anybody or i'm not like so wildly off but i kind of was wildly off here but for what it's worth reese hall i i put in at 60 i moved up 10 we have a range of 27 to 60, but only four of us, just four people. That's just fantasy. That's the beauty of fantasy football right there. That you can have such a wide range on four people that spend a lot of time doing rankings and thinking about it there. 
Yeah, here here was my um, when I texted you the other night and I said, hey, let's take a look at Brees Hall, not because you shouldn't be there, but it's just so out of line with um, with, with consensus. And again, it's OK mm-hmm. to be out of line with consensus. I don't think that's an issue at all. I mean, you yeah. have to put your rankings how you want them. But I here's normally when you get a player that's drafted in the top 50 of the real NFL draft, a running back specifically, that's right. basically like a first round pick. This guy's going to play. Usually that running back is goes in the first round if he's a workhorse or the second round if there's some, you know, like you said, Michael Carter. We have Brees, the fantasy ADP community has uh, Brees Hall in the fourth round. So I guess the argument for the, his ADP is that it's already baked in. So I've been on podcasts on the Rotowire podcast saying Brees Hall is the worst pick in the fourth round. And then I've made it a couple times. So I must not really think that. I guess it's really, a, I know it's just, you know what it is? It's that you, you've said this so many times, your rankings really show up when you're in a draft that means something to you. I mean, that's when they actually show yeah, up. You battle right? test your rankings. Absolutely. That is a great way to put it. You battle test your rankings, right? We'll see what you're made of when the bullets start for the proverbial bullets start flying. So Brees Hall, uh, I mean, they drafted him. Uh, he's basically comparable to Jonathan Taylor with his metrics. I mean, it's not, I mean, I'm not saying he is Jonathan Taylor, but all the warts of the, and there's a lot of jets bias with him. I mean, Everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's the Jets. I mean, when Mackay Becton went, when the news hit the other day, m- myself, who's a Jet fan, and my other Jet fan, I said, I can't believe this. It's already starting. So it's happening. I, yeah. yeah, it's happening. Jack Wilson you, looks terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's starting already. So I guess really what I'm saying is that he, uh, RB1 in a draft class is usually, he's already being discounted. You're pushing him back more. I think you're 60. If you don't want him, the even 60, 60 is probably even late. Uh, right. Because I'm looking since August 1st, Max Pick is 54. I don't hate Breeze Hall. Right. In fact, and he's good. he went to he's... my high school. Oh, he did. Wichita Northwest High School. Little known fact uh, that I went there. I mean, everybody knows that he went there because he's he's. Uh, I'm just a person that talks about football. He actually plays football. So there you go. But <laughs> but he was he was good, and he, he listen. He checked all of the boxes. Cliche alert, right? He he. The yeah. 40 time was good. The athleticism was good. The college production was there. He was the first running back off the board. How are the hands? The hands, I mean, he catches footballs. I mean, he is, he's got, he's a plus, he can do it all. Now, like you said, you identified what I think is the biggest obstacle. It's that Michael Carter was drafted in the fourth round. So normally we don't worry about that too much, but the Jets said they would have taken him in the beginning of the third round. They just didn't have to. I mean, they thought of him and Michael Carter actually outproduced rushing, not passing, rushing Javante Williams their last year at North Carolina. He's a good player. I, you know, I said when you take Brees Hall in the fourth round, just be prepared that Michael Carter might out-touch him in September until Brees Hall proves that he belongs on an NFL field. So I think that your skepticism and your low ranking of Brees Hall is appropriate. I just was bringing your attention to the ADP gap. I didn't even suggest you move it. Yeah, and I, I do appreciate though. Sometimes we have blind spots, uh, and I, I think I had one with him. Uh, you, you kind of you mentioned uh, another situation, Javante Williams. He is another person. That, there are a lot of drafters out there that love themselves from Javante Williams. And the news is going to push it. The recent news might push him up even farther. Uh, and that is Melvin Gordon has a foot injury. Uh, you know, he it may not be too serious. We'll see. He was out with a foot injury in today's practice. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett said he wasn't worried. Something needs to be managed during training camp. I don't know about you. I don't want a running back being managed in training camp uh, unless, it, you know, unless he's a, I mean, he is an established veteran. That's one thing going, he's got going for him. But I mean, I, it, it does encourage me to take that Javante Williams second round leap. I mean, mid, mid second round, I, you can still get him. Like I take Javante Williams over Nick Chubb. 
Is that crazy? No, not at all. And by the way, just a, a footnote on Brees Hall. I looked it up while you were uh, doing that that Javante introduction there. 36 catches his last year at Iowa State. I mean, anything over yeah. 20 means he's a good pass catcher. So for sure. Foot, footnote. Um, Javante Williams has gone on a crazy ADP roller coaster ride over the last two weeks, right? I mean, a couple of days ago, a blurb came out that both uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams were going to be on a pitch count. Nobody wants to hear that, right? No, I mean, no. right. That basically means that Javante Williams, I guess you take him in the third round, but Melvin Gordon, he was ADP was fine. When draft season started before Javante Williams was, I'm uh, sorry, before Melvin Gordon was signed, Javante was going routinely at pick eight, pick seven, and then Melvin Gordon was signed and he fell to the third round. Now, Melvin Gordon, let's remember, he's an older running back, right? Uh, yep. He's, he's, it's not a spring chicken anymore as much as, you know, we'd like to think he's Iron Man. So I think Javante Williams is a swing for the fences, upside pick. Just knowing, though, that, you know, Melvin Gordon is there. If you get him in the third, it's a smash, but this news will certainly bring him up. And if you're going to try to win the league, we talk about league winning picks, another cliche, mark it down. Um, you, you already mentioned how uh, Nick Chubb has capped upside. Javante doesn't. He literally has win, uh, number one overall running back upside, but, you know, there's going to be days. Chubb doesn't though. I mean, if, if Kareem Hunt walks the earth, I mean, Chubb probably has top five upside, right? And top Kareem five, Hunt I mean, threatened to walk the earth. Yeah. And by the way, Kareem Hunt, I don't think that saga is over either. So I, I don't want to crisscross our topics here, but yeah, let's go he, for it. The cross those streams. Yeah. He could, I mean, if there's a running back injury on a, on a contender, he's the, I mean, they don't lose anything by trading him. And if they can get some value, I mean, I, you know, people are talking about like, Oh, he can go to the Kansas city chiefs. He can go to this team. He can go to a team that already has a good running back Kareem Hunt. They could trade him to a team like the chargers, Austin Eckler and Kareem Hunt. That would stink for fantasy, but this is a team that's pushing all in now. And Austin Eckler said he wants a running back that he can help, you know, that can help work, uh, share the workload. Don't yep. write that off. That's a team like that could go get Kareem Hunt. And then your Nick Chubb pick is just, it's through the roof. I mean, he's a top five pick in fantasy with or without Deshaun Watson. Indeed. I got one more news situation I want to talk about before we start talking breakouts. But before we do that, let's uh, hear from our Blue Wire Network sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, thank you. We All of our uh, podcasts, Rotowire podcasts, are hosted on the Blue Wire Network. We thank them for their hosting. Uh, and we insert some ads as, as part of our thanks. And so there, thanks for, thanks for indulging us. All right, Darren Waller has not been seen in practice for like nine days now and it's always undisclosed reasons however last night he was spotted at a las vegas aces minor league baseball game and he said i'm straight man all is well uh what does this even mean i mean the right i know you don't have to say any reason why a player isn't practicing right now is this a contract situation or is there an actual injury yeah there's a lot of uh there's a lot of narrative and rumors around darren waller what it means is that he's not on the this is not good right you don't want this darren waller was already a player that we you know last year failed to meet expectations of fantasy managers right i mean Mm -hmm. he he had one monster week and you're like oh darren waller was a pick uh, that i just missed out on and then it wasn't good and now you add the biggest target hog in the nfl with Devontae adams i was already not interested in darren waller uh this isn't good it, it, because if it's, if it's an injury you don't want it if it's not an injury there's you know there's discontent so either i have i think in the 72 drafts the best ball drafts i've done this offseason i think i have zero darren waller it's just not a wow. player i'm taking in the fifth round i mean in those leagues where you, you get double ppr i play in some of those dynasty leagues i have taken him because mm-hmm. you know i mean it does have the catch upside but i i wouldn't just I'm crossing him off my list where he goes in the, if he falls to a six round, maybe drips into the seventh of course, of course you're going to be interested. Right. But I, I just, I'm going to let somebody else take him. George Kittle's going ahead of him now in the NFFC. That's actually a change. Waller was like, you know, for a while, the number three, now he's the number five uh, and it's sinking like a stone. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty worried uh, about him. I, I don't have any Waller yet. I'm not against early tight ends, mind you. I'll take, you know, I'll take Kelsey like mid second. If he gets to that, um, I, I think there's value there. I'll take Andrews somewhere in the third. I'll take Kyle Pitts in the third. I did take Kyle Pitts in the third in the beach of Erickson draft last week, in the Rotowire online championship at the NFFC. I, I think there's points where that it's, there's value in it, but I often wait on tight ends. I'm almost never taking Waller though. I haven't yet. I yet t- you know it's funny it's there, how you handle tight end and quarterback in a single quarterback league really is what draft strategy is nowadays. Everyone knows that you take a lot of running backs and a lot of wide receivers, and some mm-hmm. people go zero running back, some people go you know heavy running back, and you know just get middle round. Where do you take your quarterback? Where do you take your tight end? I found myself landing on the the T.J. Hawkinson and Zach Ertz in round seven or nine. Those seem to be when. I don't like the running back or receiver options. It's, you know, it, you're never getting a good value on a tight end. You're always like, yeah, I'm passing on players that are better. But Zach some Ertz po- is good value. Every single time Zach Ertz is good value. That's why I've been landing on him because he goes yeah. in the ninth round, right? I mean, you know, the the downside of Zach Ertz is, oh, DeAndre Hopkins. What happens when he comes back? I mean, that's a totally different player. It's a different position. Zach Ertz is like a, it's a tight end that even if he has down weeks, you're never scared to start him. For the most part, I try to either go early quarterback or early tight end, not both. The fantasy index draft, which is a best ball one, I tied in Andrews and Lamar together. Um, 
But I found myself scrambling. I felt try, found myself trying to catch up on other positions. I mean, when you do that, you're out of alignment. You're trying to catch up on either running back or wide receiver. I'm more comfortable trying to catch up on running back, to be honest. Catching up on a wide receiver, I feel, is like is is a hell is hell. I don't enjoy doing it at all. I hate being behind in wide receiver. Well, the reason is, is that in best ball, when you're scrambling a wide receiver, it's not as bad because that Tyquan Thornton you got in the last round, when he has his week of three catches for 80 yards and a touchdown, it just gets inserted into your lineup in a, you know, a home league, a managed, managed league, league. Yeah. Yeah. In a, yeah. Managed league. I mean, you, if, uh, if a mid range wide receiver, Marquez Valdez Scantling is your wide receiver three and he gets, he has one for 23. You can't even play him the next week when he goes off on your bench. That's what the merit of pushing up the wide receivers are because of Justin Jefferson, of AJ Brown, of, uh, of Allen Robinson have one or two bad weeks. You don't, you're just putting him in your lineup and the waiver wire is the other part of it. Running backs emerge on the waiver wire. It's very rare that Victor Cruz or who was the guy in the Cowboys that emerged that one year? Uh, Miles Austin. He became a waiver wire, you know, mm -hmm. second round receiver. So very rare that those guys emerge. Brandon Lloyd is the all time waiver wire king. That guy, mm -hmm. uh, that, that was such a crazy year. You maybe, maybe you got him as like your seventh receiver in a draft, but I mean that for the most part, he was a waiver wire guy and he was huge that year, but it, it, it's, it's so infrequent. You're right. Uh, we're, and, and it's because running back is a, is a opportunity position. Wide receiver is you either have the skills or you don't. Um, and you find yourself chasing tail. Like you find yourself chasing last year's stat last week's stats all the time with either starts or pickups. It, it's, it's really a brutal gruesome way to go just to give the listeners perspective on who brandon lloyd was if you haven't been playing fantasy for like 10 years it would be like if Devonte parker this year led the league in receiving and in touchdowns like was the if Devonte parker became the number one overall wide receiver that's the equivalent to what jeff is talking about when brandon lloyd like a player that had been in the league that had some upside and never really kind of hit and then was the number one wide receiver in fantasy or pretty close to it 2009, Brandon Lloyd had only played in two games. He had eight catches for 117 yards with the Bears. It's like Devontae in, Parker. <laughs> in 2009, he in, – in, in excuse me, in 2010, he, and he did that with the Broncos, excuse me. The Bears the year before that, in 2018, he went 26 for 364 and two touchdowns. In 2010 with the Broncos, 77 catches, 1,448 yards, Alan. I mean, it was it was how many, nuts. How, how many touchdowns was it? Like, and 11 touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's a league winner right there. If you want to talk about league winner, that's it. Now, if you you had to have been, been starting him is the only the only fallback to that. But, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely one of those, though, that was, it was you know, it, it was the miracle. You got you got your miracle. Now move on. Uh, but And then and next we compared the year. Jose Bautista in baseball. And he was yeah. actually pretty good then, too, but not as good. And the following year, people were taking Brandon Lloyd in the third round, and he went back to being, a, you know, it was like Cinderella after midnight. It went back to being just, you know, a kind of. He had uh, he went seventy for nine sixty six, so you didn't completely turn into a pumpkin. He still got you five touchdowns, but he he split between Denver and St. Louis that year. Um, but it wasn't a third round pick. That's a guy that you no, take in like no. the eighth round, ninth he's round. Th he's the third receiver, is what right. he was. Yes, right, exactly. And, and I would like to see, you know, I would like to see how the the the, the production was distributed. Was it all in like three games? I mean, I, I'd have to look at it, but I remember drafting him that year. I was the donkey in my league that like reached in, on the two, three turn to take him. And I was like victory lapping. And then it was just like, oh, I'm not good at fantasy yet. Like I'm telling you, I, I made all the mistakes playing fantasy when I first started in the first few years that everyone makes. I took Peyton Manning at, at the, at the fifth oh, overall yeah. pick. I mean, we all do it, you know? 
Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I took an early defense one time, like seventh round. Like, what are you doing? The Ravens defense, right? Like a, you know, uh, push them up. There was a Broncos team that had, oh, a, okay. this is like 25 years ago, 28 years ago. So it was a long time ago, but uh, it was bad. People uh, did that though. People did do that. They took like the Ravens all to the Ray Lewis Ravens defense in like round six. Sometimes that did Troy happen. Aikman in the second round because his team always won. Yeah. I right. mean, but he, he, was... he didn't have volume and he didn't run himself. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, one more news item. I lied. We got one more. I wanted yep. to talk about before we uh, go on to breakout guys. Uh, and that is, uh, is um, Kadarius Tony. He's a guy that many people are pegging as a, a breakout guy. Hurt his hamstring today. Appears to hurt his hamstring today. It's a little nebulous on the note on him uh, because it's just kind of coming out. It's a possible hamstring injury. Appeared to be favoring it, according to Daryl Slater of NewJersey.com. Um, it's fourth practice, fourth limited out of eleven during training camp. Um, this one, and he he was already being limited. That was the point. But this was an unplanned limited one, perhaps. So. Uh, you know, he's had some moments in training camp and he's had other moments. I know a lot of people kind of like him as a breakout guy. Maybe it's because I did uh, broadcast with lists for so many, uh, so many years that I reflexively dismiss anything positive said about the Giants. So I don't have any Kadarius Tony at all. Yeah. One of my favorite things that you guys used to talk about in your podcast was it's not the size of the sample that matters when the magnitude is so big. What we saw, everyone saw it like Kadarius Tony in those games where he went nuclear just looked different. He just mm -hmm. looked like a different player. And that's going to keep his ADP right where it is. Everyone sees the upside, right? All of the risk is mostly baked in. I know in the NFFC, I, you know, I was on our Sunday serious show. I, you know, I thought he was still going in the seventh, eighth round just because I don't draft him. But when I took a closer look, the professional drafters are taking him in round six. Like, yeah, they are, you know, so they're squeezing a little bit of the value out of it. Listen, when you draft Kadarius, Tony, just understand. I mean, it's, he's one of those players that, it's it looks like he could be marred by injuries. I mean, based on what we've seen so far, a player's injury prone until they're not, right? But the upside is so tantalizing, it's so juicy that you could easily see him as one of the players that takes that mega leap and it ends up in the second round next year. But you know, just understand what you're getting. It's gonna be a player that has those type of days and risks. My favorite meaningless anecdote about uh, Kadarius Tony is that Urban Meyer was upset when the Giants drafted Tony ahead of like ahead of everybody's expectations in the draft too, and at, at the time that was used as validation for the pick. By the way, it wasn't a critique of the pick; it was a validation for the pick. That see, even Urban Meyer wanted him. Oops, uh, but yeah, that was the first. That was the first red flag, by the way. Apparently, uh, yeah, yeah, there are so many others. Every team is like Alabama out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're pros. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who knew? Um, all right. Let's talk breakout players before we do that. Uh, got a note from our friends at Dynasty Owner. Do you love fantasy sports? Alan does. I know that. Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an entire running an actual franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will, have to you will have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a Dynasty of Champions? Sign up now at DynastyOwner.com and use promo code ROTO5. That's R-O-T-O-5 to receive $5 off any new team. I will say the one thing that is a little bit different than the NFL about realism is Dynasty Owner actually adheres to the salary cap. 
whereas the NFL is just a mirage. So it, it is so crazy because you know the more I learn about the salary cap, because I do want to become a salary cap expert. I think it is yeah, fascinating. It's, right. I mean, it's just well because it's nowadays you get a better understanding of how contracts work, and then it does help you in dynasty when you're trying. You know, when you're trying to project players, how long they're insulated for. I mean, all the time you see like these contracts are five years, eighty million dollars, but like twenty millions guaranteed, and after a year and two they can get out of it. It's it's very interesting. The uh, I did what the cap thing that I learned the uh, recently was that they only have to get to a certain percentage of the cap over three years. So it's like, even if they're under cap, under cap, that's okay. As long as they get to, I think the number is like 85 or 90%. I, I forget the exact mm-hmm. number, but over those three seasons. Yeah, it's pretty wild there. So, mm-hmm. uh, and there's so many little things that you don't learn, uh, that you learn after the fact that you don't know. Uh, it's kind of crazy. All right, breakout players. Alan, I need you to define what is a breakout player uh, before we uh, go any farther. What, how do you define what a breakout player is? Yeah, I think that there's a there's a few different ways to think about a breakout player. It's a player that's really ready to take that next step and move up a tier. So, for example, if you're talking about you know some of the guys that we're gonna that we're gonna mention in the tenth round, that could be th- uh, players that go if we redrafted in like week four, like in the third round. That's a breakout. If you talk about there's going to be players that we mention that are getting drafted at their ceiling that probably haven't done it yet. But if they deliver on that and I don't want to mention any names yet, that's a breakout. So I think (laughs) so I think it's my definition. The way I see it is a player who really jumps up at least one tier. But a true breakout is someone that goes up two or three tiers. Okay, very cool. All right. So how do we identify these guys? So I have uh, a tried and true tactic. And again, when it, it works most of the time is that if there's a player that we liked a lot, especially a rookie or a second year player that hasn't done it yet. And they had a slow start to their year. What I try to do is zero in on the last six or seven weeks, or maybe like post by the year before. So again, just that we'll name those players, but I like to look at the previous year's production, not total production, but how mm-hmm. did they finish the season? What are they doing moving into the next season? And obviously if they have a new quarterback, if team context has changed, if the offensive system changed. So those are a few of the tactics I use to try to identify my breakouts. How about you? What are some of the things that you like to do to use as indicators? I'd like to see what the professional drafters are doing and then just follow along. No, um, I mean, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> honestly, it's a proxy. Um, if you see guys that are just helium guys, but you, you can run into some problems with that too. I, I'm old enough to remember Marquez Callaway going in the fourth round of my NFFC primetime draft last year. So um, yeah, there, there's, there's problems with that method to say the least. No, I mean, you're looking to see, I mean, the more you watch football, you can see those plays that just jump off the page. Uh, the more you read about players, you can see that too. I mean, let's face it. Most of us don't have a trained eye. We think we do. We're not scouts. I mean, you know, there are some people that are really good at breaking down film. Christopher Harris, Brett Coleman. Those are two guys that I, I mm. follow a lot that do that. Matt Harmon's another one that's really good. Um, and I, and I, I watch what they do. And, you know, our, on our site, Mario Puig. I, when Mario speaks, I listen. When he talked up Lamar Jackson in the draft, that, that caught my caught my mind there. Um, so yeah, I, I do pay attention to those, you know, to our community as well. Yeah. Um, I look for opportunities. I look for changing coaches. Uh, I look for you know changing personnel and just a player that's going to step up into that next opportunity. I think that matters too. Um, let's talk uh, about some of our guys. Uh, first of all, we kind of classified it when we were like talking ahead of time. We were going to do a short little video. 
Uh, and instead we're going to do this. Um, yeah. Like maybe have an obvious guy, maybe, maybe like a lot of people know, but maybe not. And then maybe a not so obvious guy. Um, I'll start. I like Rashad Bateman. I've been on the record for that one for a while. I mean, I think the way he turned heads in OTAs and minicamp last year as a rookie before he got hurt was really telling to me. I saw some moments out there on the field last year after he came back from his horrible groin injury. He had other things where he messed up. He caused one interception. His hands might need some work. But you know what? All the time, I hear about this all the time. Someone has some drops issues. Unless you're Evan Ingram, you can usually overcome them. Uh, you know, we all got the discount on Jamar Chase because, oh, the ball's a different size. It doesn't have a stripe on it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, he's such a bangle. Um, man, what, what a windfall that was. Uh, you know, it's hard to find that. Traylon Burks could be that guy this year, by the way. Uh, lining up at the wrong spot, has asthma. You know, okay, fine. Does he get open? Are they going after him? Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I think I'll get some Traylon Burks still. Uh, not ahead of my boy Alave or ahead of Drake London, but maybe in that next year. We were talking about Bateman as a breakout and you know, that's, that is such, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. It's not just because Bateman was, has the draft pedigree it was a first round pick, but the Ravens need him to be good. They traded mm -hmm. away Hollywood Brown, right? I mean, Hollywood Brown did things that were good for NFL football teams besides dropping the ball three times in one game. I mean, he was, he was a feel he was able to uh, get behind the defense and overall, I think he was a pretty good, I, I still think he's a good player. Uh, other than Mark Andrews, you know, the, the guys that are going to be on the field as pass catchers, Devin Duvernay, maybe James Prochet, those guys are miscast. I don't think any, but that's a secret. So, Everyone John McKechnie, our guy who's, who follows the Ravens closely, he's talking up Prochet a little bit. And I, he's not the only person I've heard that, by the way. And again, fine. Sure. They're, but I would say that they are probably, if I'm just going to, you know, put probabilities on it, they're probably more like a number three wide receiver on most teams. And again, okay. if we see, if Prochet has a major breakout and John McKegney spotted something like, you know, I'll, I'll definitely listen to our guys. I mean, there's no one better at this stuff than, than John and Mario and our Rotowire guys. And, but mm -hmm. it's, it was, it's, it's not year one for Prochet. Like we've, he's been at the Ravens on the team for a few years right. and he hasn't done it yet. All I'm saying is that this is more like, that it's Rashad Bateman time. I mean, there was a great quote when Hollywood was traded and Rashad Bateman was saying like, it's my time. Like I got this. I understand what this trade means. So Mark Andrews, I mean, it's, you know, everyone knows that he's going to be Lamar Jackson's preferred target, but Bateman, he's kind of like an athletic Keenan Allen, you know I mean? Yeah. So it's not just that he he's the Ravens want need him to be good. I think it's a perfectly good pick as a bit. I, I would be shocked if Bateman uh, doesn't reach his ADP of like the fifth round. Yeah. Bateman's my guy, but he's everybody's guy is what I'm starting to find though, too. He's climbing. I saw him go at 47 in a draft last week. So Chris Vaccaro, very, you know, veteran player uh, went and took him there too. So, okay. Who's your obvious breakout player yeah the obvious breakout player has got to be cd lamb and you say wait a second isn't cd lamb good already he finishes like wide receiver like 18 or 17 last year it wasn't like he he finishes a top five wide receiver he's going mm -hmm. as wide receiver four or five in a lot of sharp drafts i've seen him go fifth overall in an online draft. i mean that is to me that's you've lost your mind basically you get him on the one, two turn. If you want to take him at pick 10, it's still aggressive, but you're paying for what you think is going to happen. But I think it's going to happen. I mean, everyone likes Dak Prescott as an elite real NFL quarterback. And, you know, if you're trying to divide up the targets, it's hard not to pencil CD lamb in for 140. If things go bad, 
right? I mean, and if things right. go well, it's like 170. So it's an obvious breakout, but we're, we're starting with our obvious calls. And CeeDee Lamb seems like a player that we're going to be taking in the first round for the next half decade. Another example of an obvious one would be uh, Travis Etienne or Kyle Pitts. Everybody loves those guys. They're going higher than what their projection uh, production suggests, or in the case of Etienne, he didn't play at all. Uh, but everybody sees it coming. Everybody's on it. You know what? Sometimes everybody's right. And I, I yeah. think in both cases, or I think you can make it, I think for Pitts, I'm even more comfortable than I am at Etienne at price. Uh, Etienne, I mean, you got James Robinson to deal with. You have, you know, Jacksonville. We don't know if they're going to be, how much better they're going to be. I could see there's, there'd be some concern there. Pitts, I mean, they're going to throw it to him in the end zone this it's, year. That was such me. an anomaly. I don't know. It's like uh, Mariota to Pitts. What could go wrong, right? It's, I yeah, mean, Mariota. I'm sure something could go wrong, but come <laughs> on. He, if you look at what he did, you know, yardage wise, cash wise, I mean, it's off the charts. And, and accounting for age, I he's a generational player. I, I'm, I'm 100% on board with Pitts. I understand this. I said this in one of our videos that we did together. I'm scared to draft Kyle Pitts in the third round, and I'm scared not to draft Kyle Pitts in the mm-hmm. third round. And it's it's not that I don't agree with everything you said. And you know what? We could be talking about Kyle Pitts as the one point. If he reaches his ceiling, we could be talking about a tight end at the 1.1 1. 1 next year. If he, let's just say he does the 1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns and it's 94 and catches. you're doing it from the tight end spot. Yep, yep, yep. That's what I'm saying. Like, he, he will be in that 1-1 1, 1 overall conversation next year. And some people will do it and forget it in the, you know, in the tight end premium formats. I mean, it's like going to be a, an easy smash. But when you are taking him in round three, you are foregoing a very good position player. And it's that, sure. I mean, if he had wide receiver eligibility, it would be a no brainer, but no, know. it wouldn't actually. I mean, well, because, okay. I, if they've switched him to wide receiver it would be a brainer. It would, it would hurt. Uh, it hit us in the brain because mm. there's, he, you, he doesn't stand out among other wide receivers. I meant to be a dual, by the way, that was my, I, I, I picked up on that after yeah. I said that, mm-hmm. um, but you're going to, let's face it. When are you not going to use them at tight end? All right, are you going to, Oh, I'm going to draft Waller too. No, right. no, that's that. a good point. It would be, if yeah. he was a wide, it was like, if they gave um, Devontae Adams tight end eligibility, that's where, yes, I got, I, I actually was, did it. Yeah. yeah I was sense. thrilled to get picked uh, pits at pick 35 in the beach F Erickson draft last week. That was one of the few picks I thought was like, yes, nailed it. Uh, I mean, now I felt pretty good about the draft, but that was one where like, I can't believe I was able to get him there. And every time someone else takes him, I feel a little bit of remorse, a little regret that I didn't, I'm not the guy getting him. And then I take a wide receiver and wait till tight end until round nine or 10 anyhow. But um, in this particular case, I, 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 I will reach for pits all the time. Yeah, no, I, it's again, I, when I, when in best ball, like where, you know, the stakes are low, the $5 to $25, mm-hmm. I've done it because there's an overall contest, but you know, in the leagues where we're paying a hundred bucks or 300 bucks to do it, I haven't, uh, I haven't done it yet. And you talked about battle tested rankings. I mean, I love that term. We're going to start using that a little bit more. We will credit you, uh, okay. but I, I think that I'm is not it. the one that created it. I just, I, I popularized it. I forget who had the original, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, now it's yours. Now it's yeah. yours. Yeah. When we talk about breakout players, I think that there's a really interesting um, dichotomy going on with Trey Lance right now. Trey Lance, I think everybody understands he has the upside to to be a top five quarterback. The legs, he could be Jalen Hurts plus. Everyone likes Shanahan's system. But the guy hasn't played a lot of meaningless, uh, meaningful football over the last few seasons. Hasn't so. even played meaningless football, Alan. I mean, he's played almost no football. Right. 
that's yeah no you you said it right there hasn't been he's not battle tested right it's no. all it's all projection so it's so easy to see trey lance being like qb 20 after the first six weeks of the season it's like you, you wouldn't mm. even think that for jalen hurts right jalen hurts if, it, if it's bad is qb 9 right so trey lance is a breakout player in a sense where he's being drafted right now by aggressive drafters as the qb 8 qb 7 and by you know, conservative drafters more like QB 12. I think in single quarterback <laughs> leagues, in single quarterback leagues, it's okay to be aggressive on him because mm-hmm. there's replacement level. You can always get Daniel Jones on the waiver wire or Tua later on in your draft. But in super flex leagues where you have to take him in the middle of the second round, it's a dangerous pop- proposition because once the draft is over, there is no more quarterbacks. That's it. It's over. All right, so take a look at the composite rankings, and you can see my opinion on Trey Lance. Um, <laughs> Just come there, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'll be the guy that lets somebody else gets that get that bargain. I've got him at one sixteen, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, we have other people had as high as sixty five. You know what? I'm I'm happy if I'm wrong about this because that means Debo Ayuk. Mitchell Kittle, they all they're all going to eat. Uh, although Mitchell gets hurt a little bit by uh, you know Lance rushing for touchdowns, right. but I mean I don't. We saw two games with him starting last year. It's not good in either game. Nope. Um, no. He, he has a hard time throwing. Now, he, there I, I've seen this comparison made to Tim Tebow. Even Tim, Tim Tebow is way worse, I think, and he still finished like fantasy wise top ten QB because he ran so much. Now I don't know if Lance runs that much either. It was, it was weird to me. They didn't install any packages late in the season for Lance to come in and he at least, you know, be, a, you know, for, for like some weird third down plays or anything like that. He didn't come into the game at all. If Jimmy G was healthy, there was no Lance. I mean, think about Trey Lance, 6'4", 226 pounds, man. He, he runs a, he had about an 80th percentile 40 yard dash. I mean, he, this guy could light it up. He just played at a small school competition. I mean, his number one wide receiver in college was Christian Watson, who was a popular riser during the pre-draft process as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was multiple years ago. It's there's a lot of you know there's yellow flags with it's Trey all Lance based. It's yes. all faith based. But the and... good news is, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like in single quarterback leagues, I'm willing to take, I'm willing to pay for the breakout only because the replacement level is so. It's in single quarterback leagues. There's it's not going to kill you to find out. Lance barely but, even played his last year in college. Yeah. I mean, well, I, there was a COVID year, then he didn't play. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they held him out just in like he's preparing for the draft. I mean, yeah, it could work, but eh, I don't know. I'm just. He, he's a player worth. If you were making a breakout list and we're talking about quarterbacks, he needs to be on that list as someone that could break out. Sure. Fine. That's fine. My medium breakout is a guy that was actually mentioned in the chat here earlier, and I'm going to I'll bring it up there. Uh, I was asking who's the next version of this guy. Well, I think this guy's got another level, uh, and that's a tight end, and that's Cole Komet. Um, I, I, I'm a, I, I think Cole Komet's going to be. Yeah, Julia asked this. Uh, she goes, "He made a leap of fifty plus targets last season. Who's this year's Komet? This year's Komet is is still Komet. It's still um, him. It's still him. Yeah, I, I like Cole Komet a lot. I've got him at one hundred three in my rankings. That's high in our rankings. Uh, we talked about it. if I'm waiting on tight end, he's a he's a total target of mine. And target is the operative word. You know, he had 93 targets last year. I see him going to like 120 because in this some of this is his own comp, his own ability, a full year working with uh, with Justin Fields. It's also just a lack of other. Allen Robinson's gone, and they replaced him with Nikhil Harry. 
Nikhil Harry's banged up. They, they replaced him with Byron Pringle. Byron Pringle's banged up. They replaced, you know, you get the point here. David Moore is hurt on this team, and that hurts him. I mean, they don't have a second receiver, Alan. You don't it, like Inquimius St. Brown? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, he's a fine human being. I don't dislike him. I don't like him. I don't think he, I'm not afraid of him. Let's put it that way. He broke out, but he's going to break more. You know, yes, yeah. he broke out, but he's going up again. And, you know, you're getting, like, I put him, Cole Komet's going to be in the same, like, Ertz, Goddard level. That's where I think he lands in terms of production. And you're not he, having to pay that price. He and Fryermuth are my favorite weight in the tight end candidates there. Uh, and then Hunter Henry's third. Nick Nick Whalen and I talk about that all the time. But I I, I, I love Komet and Fryermuth this year, and especially Komet because there's just an absence of other forces there. And I know the Bears stink on ice, and I know their offensive line's bad, and Fields is going to struggle. Even struggle bus teams still provide some production. Komet's going to get that production. Okay, so uh, Cole Komet actually holds an NFL record, and this is credit to our friend Cardi, uh, Cody Carpentier, who was on our pod, my podcast uh, of the Rotowire podcast. Um, Cole Komet holds the distinction of the most targets by an NFL tight end in the history of the NFL without a touchdown. He had zero touchdowns last year. Again, so, who cares? So Kyle Pitts had one. The, are we are we throwing that against them? No, we're not. Well, that's um. This is a point for Cole Komet. This is okay. good. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you're gonna get that many. Oh, you're gonna get that many uh, targets. You're going to get yes. You know, touch that. So, I would say even if the Bears are a crappy offense, Cole Komet is. You know, he's got the upside to be the only red zone threat they have because we all like Darnell Mooney, right? We we do like him as a you know as a mid round receiver, uh, but. He's not an end. He's not a red zone guy, <laughs> and you know, and David yeah. Montgomery is he's okay. Uh, Cole Komet is going. I mean, he's got the ten touchdown upside plus more. So I think that that was ridiculous that he didn't get. He had zero touchdowns and he had a lot of targets. Right, that has to regress. I love that pick. Every year, it's that one touch. Uh, that one tight end that gets to the ten touchdowns that ends up as tight end five. Cole Komet has better chance than anyone outside of the top twelve. There you go. All right, um, let's do a couple more. Let's go non-obvious. Who's your non-obvious breakout player? Alan Slusowski is going to give you the key, your league-winning <laughs> non-obvious breakout player right now. Listen up. Uh, so uh, I like uh, Paris Campbell, the, uh, the wide receiver on Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. We've talked about him in a, in a couple different capacities. And Paris Campbell was a, a high pedigree, a second-round draft pick. And when he was on the field, he looked great. You know, I mean, he he looked dynamic, and by all accounts, he is the number two wide receiver, and he's going to be playing in the slot. Uh, I know the team did draft Alec Pierce to play outside. He's more of a speed guy on the outside, but Matt Ryan and Paris Campbell have showed some connection in camp. There's been good momentum, and the only problem with Paris Campbell is obviously he hasn't been able to stay healthy, all right? So... Mm -hmm you're paying a 15th round pick for Paris Campbell. I think I usually push him up to like the 14th or even more sometimes if I'm a little depleted at wide receiver, but it's everyone likes the Colts offense and there's no tight end to really take away targets in that part of the field. You could see a, you know, I, it's not that Paris Campbell can win you the league, but I think this is, if he is going to break out, it's all set up for him. And if he gets hurt again, it's basically over. He's going to be struggled to make an NFL roster once, uh, once this contract is over. So Paris Campbell, he was, he was thought of as, as a good receiver coming into the NFL. He played at Ohio state. Drafted now, before Terry McLaurin, his teammate. Yep. 
there you go. And so I would say that he is he's a really good breakout cat. You should roster him. If you're in a in a home league, a 16-round home league, he's a great 16th-round pick. Waylon and I were talking about uh, Campbell today because he's on, like there are three teams where there's a massive ADP gap between wide receiver one and wide receiver two on that team. The Colts, the Falcons, and uh, the Panthers. And the difference being is the Colts are actually supposed to be good, right? Um, and so you got to figure someone – with Matt Ryan, a real NFL quarterback, should raise his value. There's a 60-pick gap between Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. Similar to, like, uh, Drake London and Brian Edwards. Uh, one of these things is not like the other. Which one could it be? Um, or in Carolina, where you have DJ Moore over Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, – and by the way, I like Terrace Marshall a lot. I think he can mm-hmm. play. Uh, just I, I and Baker Mayfield looking better and better in camp. So blah blah blah. I, I think that bodes well for Marshall. So I would I would he's a guy I'm rostering a lot. But Campbell, yeah, I've I've had I've had my shares of Campbell in the past. The Colts, you know, we've never been able to see what Campbell can do. They they don't ask much of him because he's never on the field. They never asked him to do like various routes. Chris Harris did a great uh, video on him like a year ago, and it's like we don't know because they don't ask him to do much of the wide receiver tree yet, the route tree yet. But it it could come because somebody is going to narrow that gap between uh, you know, between Pittman and the rest, whether it's him, whether it's Alec Pierce, whether it's, uh, you know, you know, uh, the tight ends, you know, they have two of them there, but, uh, but not, no, none I, that are going to demand targets. though. it's Mo Ali Cox. And you know, it's, it's I mean, that, they drafted. Um, yeah. I mean, Grayson. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, these are, these are, he's a developmental guy. No one that's going to, if Paris Campbell can stay healthy, he should outproduce his ADP. He could be someone by like, you know, early October. We're like, Oh, this guy is, he's, he's perfectly good to start every week as your third receiver, you know, six catches for 60 yards and maybe a little touchdown upside. If he breaks one, seven catches for 50 yards, stuff like that. They're going to, they're going to hit him over the middle of the field. He does have some, some dynamic speed. He, you know what he's like? He's like an athletic golden tape. You know, I mean, it's okay. that type of player. I mean, it's not as he's obviously not as uh, built like an Iron Man. I mean, Golden Tate was an Iron Man until he wasn't. Um, so yeah, that that's how I view him. And he's again one of one of the players I've pegged for a major breakout. How about you? Right. You got anybody that's a non obvious? My non obvious guy is Joshua Palmer on the uh, L.A. Chargers. I want to make sure it's pains not to say San Diego. <laughs> uh, third round pick last year. Came on late. Last six games of the year, he got more targets. Some of that was because Keenan Allen missed some time. I think Mike Williams missed one game due to COVID, too. So Palmer got more action there. Point is, though, Palmer actually delivered a little bit. Uh, when And he's like the clear front run over Guyton and others and the Chargers. So many other teams, we, we, we don't hesitate drafting three receivers from that team. It's the Chargers. Of course they can support three receivers. I understand that, you know, Eckler takes away some of the targets, so maybe that's why you have some hesitation. This is the shootout division. Everybody loves Justin Herbert. Uh, everybody loves seeing those games against the Chiefs and, you know, against the Raiders. I love Josh Palmer this year. And, uh, you know, ball, I, funny thing is, I thought, you know, I thought, I'd lo- I thought my love is pure, and I look at our composite rankings and, it's just middle of the pack among us and rankers. So everybody loves them. You know, and the thing is we can, you can find enough targets to go around there. The tight end play isn't that great there. So I I think that you're going to look at uh, Palmer is going to get increasing workload this year. I think he's great for bye weeks. I think he's uh, you know, injuries inevitably strike. You can slide him in. 
Yeah, that one of the best things that you said about Palmer is look at the offense he's on, right? I mean, yeah. everyone, uh, Justin Herbert, he's my QB too. I mean, and I would say if the, if we were taking out rushing stats, he he's arguably the QB one, right? If you're him and mm-hmm. Mahomes would be the QB one or QB two if we're just talking about passing stats. So I like that. It's just you know what's interesting is that the Chargers between Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and potentially Josh Palmer, they're going to have like one of the slowest trios. They don't really have anybody to take the top off besides Jalen Guyton. So that would be my one concern, but Palmer. Sure, I can see that. Yeah, Palmer's so much better than Guyton, but Guyton plays a role that Palmer can't, and you're not taking the other two guys off the field. So I'm with you. I've been drafting Josh Palmer because he's a good football player on a great offense, but I just, again, the only concern, again, this is why you're paying an 11th round pick for him, is that if they they can't keep defenses honest, they are going to need to put Jalen Guyton out there for some plays. Team four wides, let's go. Guyton, go run, go routes. There you go. Um, yeah, just, just run out the uh, run the safeties off, right? And he, exactly. and look, Jalen Guyton was good at that. He is a couple games that were not projectable that he did catch long passes from Herbert. Right. I'm gonna have a lot of. I'm gonna ha- still gonna have a lot of Palmer here this year. Let's do lightning round responses to some of the questions uh, sure. that we've had in the form. We had lots of feedback today. Appreciate you guys. I love this. Uh, Javier asked at the very beginning of the show, drafting from the 11th spot, usually going Swift and Kamara Barkley Adams. What do you guys think of that strategy? He's, he's scared of the running backs in the third and fourth round, especially at the end. You know, a lot of people talk about the running back dead zone, um, and I get that. Um, I, I'm, I, I see it working well, especially if you just stack tons of wide receivers after that. I personally love the wide receivers a little bit more um, there. I'm, I'm almost always taking like a digs with one of those two picks. Digs or uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, maybe even Adams at that spot. But I can see this working. I, I saw it in the, like, the NFFC draft that I was in. Both teams, 11 and 12, like got early backs and just pounded the wide receivers after that. That can work. What do you think, Alan? Yeah, there's two ways you could do it. And I can't say it much better than you did. But, you know, I mean, I push up Aaron Jones to that like 11th or 12th yes, pick overall. So, right. Yes. So that's but, I, you know, so I'm taking two running backs there for the reason you said that you could just go wide receiver around uh, uh, three through six, three through seven. You're going to like all the options there. But if you don't, let's say you do go wide receiver, wide receiver. Let's say two guys fall that you like. You just named all the, the players that I think would be reasonable to be there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, don't mean to beat a dead horse or a very live horse, but Zeke's there for you if you wanted a, a number one running back at the end of the third round. So if you do go wide receiver, wide receiver is a recommended strategy to take Zeke Elliott in the late third round because you have a running back that Jeff is likely to put as a top 12 running back in week one of his value meter. Against the Bucks, the hell I am. No way <laughs> am I going to be doing that. <laughs> it's again, it's Zeke is. I'm not saying he's got the league winning upside, but if you go wide receiver, wide receiver early, you have a player that you know is slated for you know a, a number he's, one role. Zeke's a plug and play player. I'll give you that. Right, and um, that's so that's the case to answer our, his Javier's question. If you do go wide receiver, wide receiver, it's okay. Zeke is your life preserver in the third round. I don't. I kind of like going one back and then you know yeah. getting that. You know, going and getting like Elijah Mitchell later or going and getting someone someone of that ilk later on and, you know, mixing and matching with the second running back spot if I'm getting stud receivers. That's my preference, but there's more than one way to fry that fish. Yeah, and if you get stuck and you're looking for running backs in round late round five, round six, there's always you could always push up Chase Edmonds, Singletary, Rashad Penny. Those guys are the next guys that probably they have issues, but they have jobs. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's fair. Um Chewy asked, 
<laughs> I'm laughing at one of the comments. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, which two receivers are a must-have, no matter what, in fantasy leagues? Uh, I mean, that's... Justin Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> Jamar Chase. Uh, uh, no. uh, I would say, just, I mean, Justin Jefferson's a must-have, right? Like, if you he's pick... He's my number one... two player overall, yeah. Right. Yeah. And if you and if you get, if you draw 1-1 in the NFFC or format that has three receivers in a flex, I think it's defensible to take him at 1-1. Mario one. did that. There you- Mario Puig did that. He took Jefferson with the 1.1. I took him at the 1.2. Pretty happy with that. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's certain guys I just love having. And, you know, he's he's certainly one of them. I love getting I like love getting Higgins in the third, to be honest. Um, a- still or Chase in the first late in mid mid first on Chase or early third on uh, Higgins. I'm very happy on both of those. It's wearing my Bengals hat there uh, real quick. But if you, uh, if you want a couple boring guys that I think are must drafts, I think Brandon Cooks, if you get stuck at any time, is one of the best wide receivers. He's always to take. there for you. Yeah. He's always there for you. And you know what? What do we know about Brandon Cooks? Here's a thousand yards in one hand. Here's six and a half touchdowns in the other. And there's upside for more. So he's, I, I, you know, must draft is a little strong of a term for him. But he's a player that, I mean, I find myself getting a lot of because it's a boring and it's a good pick. And you're, you called out Alan Robinson in our last video. I think he's a must draft. I think Alan Robinson, Robinson. Yeah. You, you're a, we titled the video Reach for Robinson based on your pick. I think that's an absolute must leave in your, must leave your draft in the fourth round with Alan Robinson. Crackshot says, uh, it was reference to our earlier conversation about Javante Williams. That Russell Wilson's such a great deep ball thrower that's going to open things up for Javante Williams. I could buy that. Oh yeah, anytime that you, you push the linebackers back or you can you know play action them, and Javante is a great tackle breaker anyway. If you know, it's just our question is: is he going to have projectable volume week to week? And if what that volume is with Javante is either he's a second round pick or a third round pick. Javier also asks: Are you high on Juju with Mahomes? A lot of news with him playing all over the place. You want me to want me to take yeah, please, sure. please. yeah I, i'm very high shirt therefore <laughs> i'm very high on juju smith schuster uh juju smith schuster is uh he's already had the elite season he's already been it, it, you know uh, a wide receiver one there was a time in dynasty which is you know my first love is that we were talking about juju smith schuster as the one one receiver right so he was so young per level too i mean he ex- came out so young uh and, and then he, he just got screwed by bad quarterback play Yep, and then he operates. It seems like he operates best uh, across from a, a dominant pass catcher that the defense has to pay attention to. He's got that again with Travis Kelsey. Julia asks, "What's your projection for Jerry Judy? He's never topped thousand yards nor hundred receiving yard, uh, receptions. Will he be close this year? Well, he got hurt last year. He he might have he might have been on that. I mean, he's only been two years. So, you want to guess uh, what his uh, DK uh, over under on yards is? I have it here. If you want to take it, just nine eighty five. It's nine oh five. Oh, five. Okay. Yeah. And do you want to guess I, what you'd take over? I think I'd take the over. What do you just you? Um, well, remember injury, it, you, you know, you ha- you're betting against injury too, and he hasn't stayed healthy yet. So if he misses three games for injury, now you're, you're betting on a, you know, when you bet overs, you're betting against injury. And yep. I, I'm not sure that's a great bet for Jerry Judy. I don't know. But Cortland Sutton's over, uh, number is exactly the same. It's 905. It may have changed. Well, last, yeah. With and we're looking at some of those props on uh, Monday's podcast with Wayland. And I noticed that the, the, the numbers seem low. And yeah, that makes a perfect sense that, you know, your attrition does happen. Um, that's a good point. Their um, catch totals on the DraftKings are 62 and 72. Judy has got the higher catch total. Julia asked, based on your breakout definition, use basing like you know, guy that finishes strong. Amon Amon Ross St. Brown is a superstar last six weeks of the season. 
Didn't take him in the Vegas uh, Superflex League that we did, though. Uh, she's gotcha. But, uh, you know, well, here I have other people are drafting, too. You know? Yeah. And <laughs> and what did we say? We said the last six weeks of production. Right. But we also said what has changed? Uh, DeAndre Swift, who we like as a pass catcher, is back. He wasn't he wasn't he was out with an injury. TJ Hawkinson was out. We all expect him to be a high volume tight end. They add DJ Shark. I mean, they've added other pieces. I still like Amon Ross St. Brown, but if conditions were the same as last year, he'd be a, an early third round pick. He's already being priced in that everyone's coming back. You're getting him in the fifth or sixth round, I believe. Kevin says, how are we feeling about Joe Mixon's chances to lead the league in rushing this year? I'm the Bengals guy, so I'll take this one. This I mean, is yeah, he's got a chance. I mean, they approved their offensive line. That can't hurt. Um, I think, you know, they, I just was reading today how Zach Taylor is a take-what-they-give-you sort of coach. Um, you know they're going to do more. Their Teams are going to scheme to stop Higgins and Chase after what happened last year a little bit more. By the way, Joe Burrow, he's not – close to really practicing yet apparently like that surgery is a little more complicated uh than and people first thought so i he'll be ready for week one but it's less mm. time to work with the full team maybe they're a little run heavy early on in the season so just something about that another Bengals related comment tyler Boyd. don't forget about him continuously overlooked in a champ championship caliber team uh i did take t- tyler board also in that beat jeff erickson draft and yes uh he he's 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 a perfect bi-week guy you just not he's never going to be the top two options unless of course you know there's an injury there which we're not going to root, root for there so uh, uh there and, you go and and you, i want to ask a question and pretend i'm in the chat how about hayden hurst do you like him as if joe burrow is joe burrow i mean hayden hurst you can get him as like tight end like 28 i mean sure He's fine. Second tight end in my roster. As long as he's not my starter, fine. Okay. Clipboard Jesus. Come on. Come on, Al. I tune in for one second and you mentioned <laughs> Zeke. <laughs> Clipboard's a regular listener, so we appreciate him. So uh, he, he should know better. Yes. Um, I have a bet going with Clipboard Jesus, by the way. We have total PPR points, Zeke versus Javante Williams. You can guess which side I'm on. We're doing a we're and we're in a league together. So whoever loses has to pay the other guy's league entry fee next year. Steak dinner, man. Raise the raise the ante a little. I, bit, I don't want to hang out with clipboard Jesus in person. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. All right, guys, this is awesome. Appreciate everybody chiming in on the comments here and listening in live. I really do appreciate it. Had a lot of fun today, Alan. Thank you uh, for jumping in here. And uh, we'll, we'll be doing many, many videos collaborating together in the future, too. So tune in for all that on YouTube and wherever you get our videos. So thanks for listening, everybody. Take care.